This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. All right, and welcome to it. So good to have you along on the show today. Uh, John Scholes here alongside, of course, employment lawyer Lior Samfiru, courtesy Samfiru to Markin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. You'll want to go to employmentlawyer.ca, the website, anytime you would like. Search for the media tab under Knowledge Center and you will catch our TV show that runs across the country as well, along with these uh, radio shows and archive. If you want to reach out now, here and now, toll free, uh, you can do so and get a hold of us, 1-877-399-9898. And, uh, you know, we'd love to talk to you. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is that email address. So we're live. We're ready to go. So bring your phone calls on because, as always, you make the show that much more interesting with your questions because we all have them. We all have them on the show today. We're going to get to if you care about your legal rights, don't ever do this. We're going to work our way through that list. So make sure you listen uh, listen up for that for sure. But we always start with the or with a couple things going on in your desk with the uh, case of the day, the week that was. What do you got for me, pal? You know, you, you may uh, find it hard to believe or maybe not, but it's actually takes me a while to decide about what cases I'm going to talk about on the show mm-hmm. because there's a lot of stuff that comes across my desk every week. Uh, but that also only means that a lot of people contact me with questions, with their issues, and give me the opportunity to solve their problems when it comes to their workplace. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing here for the next 15 minutes or so. We're going to try to take your calls, solve your problems. You know, maybe you're going back to work tomorrow and you're not sure about what to do because something happened last week. Well, call me right now. Let's talk about that. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what your mm-hmm. rights are, and I'll help you navigate that situation. Or maybe you're not actually going back to work tomorrow because something happened, you lost your job, or maybe you're off work for medical reasons. You want to understand your rights, what you're owed. What a good opportunity right now to pick up the phone and call us so I can tell you what you need to know. Whether it's a bullying situation, whether your job has changed, Maybe it's a situation where your boss has told you that uh, they expect to let you go. Whatever the issue, you need to know your rights. You have a right to know what those rights are. And a good place to start right now is this phone call to the show. And, of course, if you actually want to have this private chat with me beyond just talking on the air, we'll give you my phone number and email address throughout the show so we can connect that way. But as John said, I always like to start with a couple situations that came across my desk. So, John, first situation I'll tell you about, I had a call uh, earlier this week from a lady who uh, had uh, worked for a company for only a couple of months, uh, was let go. Uh, No reason really was given to her. I just, they figured it wasn't the right fit. And she was calling me because her employer wasn't getting back to her with respect to returning her property. She had some personal items in the office still, and she was trying to get them back, and they weren't just being cooperative. So she called me, well, what do I do? So I talked to her briefly about that. I told her to give him a couple of days to follow up with them and you know tell them when she wants to pick them up. And if they don't get back to her, still let me know and I'll, I'll send them a quick note and they'll respond to me very quickly. But as we were chatting, she and I, I was asked, finding out a bit more information. And I found out that again, she had been there for two, two months or two and a half months. She did not get any severance when she was let go and she assumed she wasn't owed anything. Why? Sure. Do you want to take a guess why, John? Well, because she was there for two months, so why would she? She's on probation. Exactly. She figures she's <laughs> on probation. She shouldn't be getting anything, and I think that's yep. exactly what her employer thought. Except she was not on probation. The reason she wasn't on probation is because she never signed an employment agreement that put her on probation. Reminder, of course, that probation is not automatic. 
you're not on probation at the beginning of the employment relationship unless your employment agreement that you signed specifically says so. She did not have anything like that, so she wasn't on probation. And the reason why that's important is, yes, even after two months, of course she's owed severance. In fact, she was owed about two months, even three months of severance. She only worked there for two months, and she could easily be owed up to three months of severance. She was absolutely shocked when I told her that. She was calling me about you know, getting a few uh, picture frames and a few items from her office or, uh, and, and didn't understand that she's owed several months' pay. So I'm now involved in this. I'm going to help her get that severance. It's not going to be a problem. But what a good opportunity to remind everyone, all our listeners, uh, about this issue of probation, that it's not automatic. And because it's not automatic, in many situations, even if you work for a company for a short period of time, a couple of months, whatever it is, you're still owed severance. And that severance can still be substantial. So always a good time to, or a good idea to call, to understand your rights, she had no idea she had those rights. I, I know she's happy she made the call, and I'll help her get everything that she's owed, John. And if you have any questions as this hour progresses, maybe something like that or, uh, or anything else, uh, whether you're in uh, you know, BC or Alberta, bring it on. We'd love to talk to you today, one 399 That is toll-free. It's interesting. A lot of people listening are going, well, wait a minute, Leo. You're saying she could get two or three months severance, but she was only there for two months. That seems disproportionately large. How does that figure out? And it is disproportionately large. It absolutely is, except that is the law. Whether we think it's right or wrong, I don't know that it really matters at the end of the day because the law treats short service, short service employees disproportionately better than longer service employees. So it's easy to think that, well, if I've worked there for a few months, I'm probably owed nothing. Maybe I'm owed a week's pay if I'm, if I'm lucky, when in fact you're owed several months. Now, in many cases, the amount of severance or the length of severance can even be longer than your length of employment. You could have worked just like with this lady for two months and could be owed three months severance or even more than that. So short service does not mean little severance. The opposite is true. That's just simply how the law operates. And a good place to start always is either to go to our severance calculator at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca or just give me a call because you may well be surprised by just how much you're out. You bet. And reaching out to Lior anytime when the show is uh, not doing, we can uh, go to one 821 5900 What else you got cooking? I spoke with a gentleman that had worked with the same employer for right around 10 years. Now, three years ago, his uh, employer sold the business. And this guy continued working with the new buyer. Uh, continued working was pretty seamless for him. Uh, and, and stayed on up until uh, a few days ago when he was let go. Now, when he was let go, his employer told him they're going to pay him three months of severance. So he said, well, that seems a bit low. Why only three months? He said, well, you've been with us for three years, so we're going to give you three months severance. It didn't seem right to him, so he called me, and he wanted to know, is that right? Am I only owed three months? Now, here's the thing, John. If he really only was a three-year employee, he would still be owed a lot more than three months. He'd probably be owed about six months severance. That's if he was just there for three years. But was he there for three years only? And the answer is no. He worked for the the previous company for 10 years. And what happens when the business is sold and you continue working with the buyer, that seniority continues. Your service continues. So when he started working with that buyer, he right off the bat, he wasn't a new employee. He was already an employee with 10 years of service. So now, three years later, he has 
13 years of service, not three. So you should get severance like a 13-year employee. For him, that's 14, 15 months of severance is going to be owed. So that's you know four or five times what he was yeah. offered. That's a significant amount. But I wanted to remind our listeners about this idea, the sale of a business. If the business you work for is sold and you continue working, in most cases, that buyer inherits your service. Now, what you, be, what you want to be very mindful of is you, when you start working for the buyer, you don't want to sign an agreement giving up that service. That could cost you a lot of money at some point. So be very mindful of that. But if you haven't signed something that gives up your service, they inherit it. And that means down the road, when you're let go, they're going to have to account for all your time, including the time with the previous company. Well, you kind of touched on it there. Now, if you put your employer hat on, is that something you could do? You can contract your way out of having to go back to the previous 10 years? You, you absolutely can. So with yeah. a properly worded employment agreement, an employer that buys a business can make sure that they're not saddled with the service that the employees had before. So some employers realize that and they use it. For an employee, that's something that you don't want to do. You'd rather just turn off the lights on Friday and go start working on the Monday seamless without having to sign anything. And if that's the case, you have the full protection of the law. Now, if I'm an employee and I get that contract saying, oh, look at this, right? this line five here says they're not going to recognize my previous service. Forget it. I don't want this job. So who pays the severance in that case, buyer or seller? So if you lose your job as a result of a sale transaction, the seller yes. pays you your service. So uh-huh. that may happen if the buyer doesn't hire you at all or if they make you an offer that you're just not able to accept or it's so bad that you're not prepared to accept it. Then if you lose your job, the buyer pays, uh, sorry, the seller pays the service. If you continue working with the buyer and at some point down the road they let you go, they have to pay you your severance that accounts for your time with the previous company as well. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. We are back indeed and uh, ready to take your phone calls anytime. Bring them off the remainder of the hour, one 877 In between the calls, we get to our topic of the day. That is, if you care about your legal rights, don't ever do this. We'll get to those talking points in just a bit, but we got Phil on the line ready to, uh, to go. He's standing by. Hi, Phil. How are you? Pretty good. Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? Okay. Uh, I've worked for a company for a long time. I have since retired, but I lost some of my retirement years uh, due to the fact that during that time period, The company changed insurance companies, and the new insurance company is saying that that's where I started from. Okay. Uh, It is uh, certainly possible that the new company had insurance, and from their perspective, from the perspective of the insurance company, you were a new employee when the business was sold. That idea of, of seniority continuing is really a feature of severance. So for severance purposes, your seniority continues. It, it doesn't necessarily continue for the purpose of insurance. So in, in, the insurance company can decide when your seniority counts for the purpose of that coverage. So unless you had an agreement with the, with the buyer, with the company, that they would recognize your service for the purpose of your retirement benefits, then 
then they're doing it okay. Did you have an agreement about your retirement benefits when you started with them? No, in fact, it was the same company. It, they changed insurance companies. Oh, they just changed insurance company. There wasn't a change in ownership. No. I see. Okay. And how long have you been uh, retired, Phil? I've been retired now for one year. I see. Okay. Then, see, I misunderstood the question. So if the whole time you were working for the same company, you had coverage that just changed insurers, then no, you shouldn't be losing out on any, any benefit or pension entitlements that you've accrued. So, Phil, you may want to then connect with me uh, off air. I want to understand more exactly what happened. I want to see what your insurance company has said, even see if we can get a copy of the insurance policy so that I can read that. Uh, because, yeah, that could be a big difference between recognizing just some or all of your service. Yeah, I worked for 40 years, oh. and they are claiming I only worked for 25 because they changed insurance companies at that time. Well, definitely, then I want to speak to you. Let, let's let's kind of dig into this a bit more. So call me at the office or email me. We'll give you that information, and I look forward to speaking to you. Phil, really appreciate will. you. You bet. Here's I'm going to give you the number now, Phil, so you can carry on after the uh, after the show. It is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You can do just like Phil and make that phone call. Get some questions and answers here uh, for the remainder of the show. We are always standing by and ready to do uh, exactly that. To call in toll free one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight. 98. Okay, let's get into this, pal. If you ever or if you care about your legal rights, for sure, don't ever do this. Number one is don't sign employment agreements without knowing exactly what you are signing. Send it to you, for an example, right? Yeah, and we touched a bit on employment agreements earlier when we talked about the week that was, but employment mm -hmm. agreements are extremely important documents. And I find, you know, in my experience, that most people, when they're presented with an employment agreement, are going to look at the things that are number based. So they look at the salary, the figure on the salary. They're going to look at the number of weeks of vacation, the figure on the bonus. And if those numbers are correct and those numbers are acceptable, then they give it a big check mark and they, they're fine with that employment agreement. Well, not so fast. There are terms that are at least as important, if not more important, than you know the amount of salary, the bonus, and the benefits, etc. And uh, those are terms that if you don't pay attention to, it's a surefire way to give up rights. So, for example, oftentimes employment agreement contain terms that limit your future severance. And a term like that could have a massive, massive effect on your severance. It could be the difference between getting eight weeks of severance and getting two years of severance. That's a huge difference. Uh, you can see now why you would care about that. Employment agreements can also have terms that allow the company to change your compensation. Yes, the same compensation that you negotiated when you started. Or that allows the company to change your job responsibilities, your hours of work, your work location. That allow the company to put you on a temporary layoff whenever they want. None of those things does an employer have a right to do unless you sign an employment agreement that gives them that right. So you may be signing off on an employment agreement that does all those things because, hey, the salary is 55000 like I wanted, so I'm accepting it, not realizing that you're giving up on other terms. Now, the good news is that once you've identified those terms, they're not that difficult to negotiate. You can negotiate them. So it's not just about finding them. You can negotiate. 
but you need to identify them first. So definitely a, a, an easy and very common way, unfortunately, where people lose their rights is by signing employment agreements without understanding what they're signing and potentially giving up. So don't let that happen to you. If you're presented with an employment agreement, read it carefully. Even better, let me read it. Let me tell you what it does, what it says, so that you don't lose on rights uh, when without even realizing that you've done so. Here's another one. If you care about your employment rights, don't ever do this. Get severance advice online, like getting surgery advice online. Never, never a good idea. Yeah, should I really cut cut off this little growth that I have here? Let me <laughs> let me go on Google and see what Google says. Yeah, no, you you wouldn't do that, right? You know, the reason why we're laughing at that is because rational people wouldn't do that. Well, by the same yeah. token, you cannot get legal advice when it comes to your employment rights, certainly not with respect to severance online. There is so much misinformation. It's a it's a sea of misinformation out there. And not because people are doing are trying to hurt you or anything like that, because people get it wrong. Okay, no. you, you can't expect some guy or, or some anything on Google to, to understand the law. The law is not always that simple. So you need to, tr to have a trusted source that gives you your, uh, your, your rights. The problem with getting your information online is your chances are 90% that you'll get the wrong or incomplete information. And what happens if you rely on that information and you accept a bad severance offer and then you realize, holy cow, I made a mistake. Well, at that point, it's too late to do anything about it. And thousands and thousands of people every single year make that mistake. They, they lose their rights. They walk away from their rights because they got that advice online. Please don't do that. You know better. If you don't think I know what I'm talking about, then speak to another employment lawyer. You don't have to talk to me. Hope you do, but you don't have to. Or you can simply go to our severance calculator at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Calculate your severance. Get that information from a trusted source. Don't just go to Google and, and realize when it's too late that you made a mistake. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how it can get even worse. I mean, it's the internet. It's without boundaries. The advice doesn't necessarily come from, you know, Canada. It could be America, Azerbaijan, or Australia. It doesn't matter. It could be faulty to the core, and you're following it. Well, people, by the way, from other countries contact me all the time about right. severance and about other rights because they see something I did online and they assume that applies to them. Well, the same thing happens in reverse. You may yeah. go look online and find an article about severance, not realizing that that's from the state of Illinois, which has nothing at all to do with uh, us here in BC or in Alberta, really anywhere in Canada. So you have to be very, very careful. And even the vast majority of information that's Canadian specific is not complete or not accurate. So do the right thing, do the smart thing. We'll get to one more before we break in that. Don't accept a temporary layoff or other big changes to the terms of your employment, right? That's right. So remember what I've said before, and, and I say often, an employer does not have a right to put you on a temporary layoff or to make significant changes to your compensation, etc. But if you give them that right by accepting it, you've given them the right to do it again and again. And that is the big problem. Now you may find yourself with ridiculously uh, often uh, with pay cuts or you put on a layoff every other month because you let it happen the first time. So a very easy and common way to give up your rights, to walk away from your rights, is to let your employer get away with things you're not allowed to do. Consider that often a constructive dismissal. If you're in that yeah. situation, before you accept a change or a layoff, 
Call me and let's talk about constructive dismissal. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. All right, welcome back to it. And I uh, hope you're enjoying this hour. We go for the next uh, 25 minutes straight through. You bet. So toll free one 9898 is the way you want to call in, as just mentioned. Beyond that, getting a hold of Lior when the show is done. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900. And that uh, ever-so-important website you can use absolutely free and fully anonymous, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Rolled into that severance calculator. You know what that does, calculate severance. It's been used by over 2 million Canadians. 2 million have checked it out. So you can do that again for free at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We are talking about if you care about your legal rights when it comes to your work life. Do not do any of these things that we've been going down this list. The next one, do not forget about your employer when you're on a medical leave. So when you're on a medical leave, what you want to do, of course, is you want to preserve your job. You want to preserve Mm -hmm. your right to go back to work when you're ready to do so, when you're ready to, to, to come back. And one of the ways where you can potentially lose that ability to come back to work is if you're not in touch with your employer and you give your employer every indication that you're not planning on coming back. Now, of course, I wouldn't worry about it too much if you're going to be off for a short time, if you're off for a week or a couple of weeks. Yeah, you don't need to be in touch with your employer mm-hmm. until you're ready to come back to work, and that's fine. But if you're going to be uh, off for a while, if your absence is going to be measured in months and not weeks, it is a very, very good idea to be in touch with your employer every once in a while to remind them that you're there, to remind them that you're still working and getting better and that you plan on coming back to work. What you don't want to have happen is you're off for a year, you haven't been in touch with your employer, not a word was said, and, and all of a sudden you're ready to come back to work and your employer says, well, I thought you resigned. Uh, never, never heard from you again. Well, yeah, we could probably deal with that if that happens, but why even put yourself in that situation? Why even risk the status of your job? Not a good idea. So instead, what you do, very, very easy. Once a month, you know, I think once a month is a reasonable period of time. You send a very short note to your employer. It can be an email or even a text message saying, I'm still working on getting better, hoping to have an update at some point. We'll let you know. You don't need any more than that. By saying that, you're reminding your employer you're still there, you're still working on it, and you're still planning and hoping to be back to work. That's it. If at that point they say, well, we're not going to take you back or there's no job for you, whatever, well, then potentially that's a wrongful dismissal. It could be a human rights violation. At that point, you hold the cards. So be smart about that. Always a good idea to stay in touch with your employer. You don't need to put in a lot of work in it, uh, but a short note every once in a while helps a lot. Another one you don't want to do is don't quit unless it's completely voluntary. Break that down for me, pal. So it starts with the idea of of quitting or resignation. What is a resignation? A resignation is something that an employee can only do. An employee has to do it voluntarily. So if the employee voluntarily resigns, that is a real resignation. If the employee decides they don't want to work somewhere and they make the decision to resign, that is a resignation. Well, that's very different, of course, than the employer telling the employee, we want you to resign. You you have to resign or we'll expect your resignation letter in the morning. Well, at that point, the employee is not actually making a choice. They're not deciding. It's not voluntary. So the law does not look at that as a resignation. The law considers that to be a termination, even though you may be resigning. The thing is this. 
If an employer tells you that they expect you to resign or they, they demand that you resign, the reason they're doing that is they're hoping that you would resign so that they can avoid paying you severance. That's right. Yep. They know that if they let you go, they have to pay severance. Well, what a good way to avoid that by just telling the employee to resign. So if you resign, you're kind of playing into their hands. Why do that? Don't do that ever, ever, ever. What do you do instead? Well, it's very simple. If your employer tells you that you have to resign, you're going to say, no, I'm not. I'm going to continue working until you, employer, tell me not to. At that point, that's a termination, and they have to pay you severance. Do not resign if you don't want to resign. Listen, if you've found another job or you've decided to retire or you're going to move, you want to resign? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Good luck. All is good. But if you're not wanting to resign, but your employer is telling you you have to, the answer should almost always be no thanks, not resigning. If you're not sure what to do, if you're given this ultimatum, call me. Certainly call me before you do anything. Good idea. And don't give the employer the gift of your severance. Sometimes, though, the common line of thinking is, well, you know, they, they've, you know, they are my, my manager, my boss, whatever, has given me an ultimatum. Either, as you said, oh, my resignations on their desk on Monday are going to get fired or I'm going to do it for you. So everyone thinks, you know, it's, it's going to look better on my permanent record in the archives that I got uh, that I didn't uh, get fired, that I quit. It's a little more tame. It's better in the future. But that's not true, right? Yeah, there's this misconception that it's better to somehow be uh, resigned than to be let go. Well, let's start with the idea that is that there's no archives, there's no vault where all the uh, reasons for terminations of employees are kept. There, it doesn't exist. That record of employment that we talked, which is a legal document, document, is only relevant with respect to EI. And guess what? You don't get EI if you resign. You right. only get EI if you let go. So even for EI purposes, it's better that you actually be let go. So no, there's no reason that you prefer resigning over being let go. The only exception may be if you've done something terrible, you, I don't know, you stole from your employer, you committed uh, some other serious offense, then sure, yeah, you may as well resign because you're not going to get anything anyway. But if you haven't done something that terrible, there, it's not better to resign. There's no benefit. There's only bad things and, and things that you can lose by resigning. So don't be scared. Don't let your employer tell you otherwise. Certainly don't let your employer bully you in that situation. And again, if you want to talk, you know how to reach me. Phone lines still open to call in now, one 399 With any questions or comments to the show, bring them on. You still got till uh, just before 8 o'clock to do that. Something else you don't want to do. Don't forget to document everything. It's tough, though. People, you know, they, they let it slip or they get lazy and they, they, you know, sit back in their laurels and don't do that. But it's really important in most situations to keep documenting, right? That's right. Document yeah. everything document everything is always important and sometimes you may have a discussion with your employer and then maybe they make you a promise oh we're going to promote you we're going to give you a raise or you know something like that that you want to make sure that it happens well if it's just your word against someone else's that's never going to be a good thing and you're not ever going to be able to hold your employer to so you document that the best way to document the promise is to send your employer a an email Simply send your employer an email confirming today our discussion where you told me that uh, I'm going to get this promotion starting in January or you're going to give me the pay raise. Send that email confirming it so that there's that record. By the same token, maybe you're agreeing to something, but you're only agreeing to it temporarily. For example, a company says to you, you know what, we need you to, uh, to take on this other role for, for a while, but you don't worry, in, in 30 days we'll move you back to your old job. 
Well, if you just continue working and take their word for it, you're stuck. You can be stuck in that new role forever. What do you do? Very simple. You send them an email confirming, yeah, we've agreed that I'm going to take on this role for only 30 days. Done. That protects you. That allows you to insist down the road that your job be, uh, be coming back to you as promised. So mm-hmm. document, document, document everything. If you're being bullied or harassed or mistreated, Again, you want to document that. You want to have a way to establish that because you can always assume that the person that's harassing you is not going to admit it. So by documenting things, you're standing up for your rights, you're preserving your rights by taking someone's word for it and not documenting, you're walking away from those rights. So don't let that happen to you. Getting no response? Crickets? Does that matter? Does not matter at all. In fact, if you send that email to your employer saying, employer, we confirmed that... Uh, We've agreed that I'll take on this other role for the next 30 days and they never respond back to you. Perfectly fine. It's the same as your employer agreeing and saying, yes, that's exactly what we've agreed to. Does not matter. You're happy with that. What matters is that you send that email. So anytime there's something happens that you wish there was a record, my gosh, I wish I had a, a record or a witness or some recording. No problem. Create that record yourself. Send an email. Do something to create that record. You'll be glad you did. We are talking about times, in fact, your legal rights. Uh, if you really care about them, don't ever do this list of things that we're going through. And this one can seem intimidating, but you got to stand up for it. That is just don't accept unfair discipline if it comes your way or an inaccurate, inaccurate performance review, right? Yeah, oftentimes when you're being disciplined and if you think it's unfair, you're given a bad performance re- review or put on a performance improvement plan, oftentimes it's a step the company is taking towards letting you go, letting you go for cause. It's a, They're building a case against you. And if you just accept it, you don't say anything, you continue working as if nothing happened, it's as if you've accepted it and said, you're right, I did it. I was, I was wrong and you were right. What that does is it makes it easier for the company to build a case against you and, of course, to potentially let you go for cause down the road. So don't let that happen. Do not let that happen. Instead, if you disagree with the performance review, if you disagree with the negative comments, say so in writing. Tell your employer, no, I don't agree with it. Here's what actually happened and make sure that they understand that. By, by putting that in writing, you're preserving your rights. You're potentially protecting your job. Silence sometimes is the worst thing that you can do. Sometimes you want to reach out after the show. You have that option as well. Okay, help at employmentlawyer.ca is how you send an email to Lior in 1-855-821-5900. want to get one more of these before we move on to some emails. And this one confuses people too because they think it's a natural trajectory when you lose your job. And that is don't file a complaint with the labor board uh, if, if you lose your gig, right? Yeah, so if you lose your, your job, you know, it, it, it's tempting to reach out to the government. Okay, you know, whether you're in BC or in Alberta, it's tempting to reach out to the government to help you enforce your rights. But you have to understand that the government can only help you enforce your minimum entitlements, not your full entitlements. That is a very important distinction because your minimum entitlements could be a small fraction of what you're actually owed. So the government may help you get three weeks severance when you could be owed 10 months severance. So that's not particularly helpful. And if you don't know your road, your 10 months, you'll take your three weeks and think that's fine. And you're giving your employer a big gift that they're not actually owed in the process. So please, please, please be smart about it. Don't let that happen. And of course, if you're not sure what you're owed, 
a good place to start is to call me. I can tell you, and we can make sure you get everything that you're owed and not, don't walk away from those rights. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Yep, you got a few minutes. We'll bring it on if you're going to do it. Get on it. one 877 Barring that, you can always reach out afterwards to Lior and his tremendous crew. Always ready to take care of you and have a chat. one 855 821-5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Exactly what Henry did. As I promised, we'll get to a couple emails here. Henry says, Hey, Liara, I received a few warnings over the last three years with respect to my work performance. How many warnings does my employer have to provide me before they can let me go for cause? So, yeah, this is actually a very common question that I get for employers and employees. You know, how yeah. many warnings before the employee can be let go for cause? And the answer is that there's no hard and, and definitive numbers. It does depend on the, on the type of conduct. You know, if, if you're getting a warning for being late five minutes, it's very different than if you're getting a warning for missing work altogether. And it also depends over what period of time. If you're getting warnings, a uh, few warnings over a period of two weeks, is different than if you're getting it over a period of five years. So, so we need to consider those things as well. Generally, as a very general rule, which is not going to apply in every situation, we want to have about three incidents of, uh, uh, or, or three warnings or three fi- types of discipline before the employer can consider a termination for cause. So we have a warning, we have a second warning, we have a final warning, and then maybe it's a termination for cause. But even that, in some situations, you may not need three. Two may be enough. In other situations, three isn't going to be enough. It really does depend on the conduct and the period of time. What I can say here is, is always good advice is if your employer says and believes that it terminated you for cause, it's that much more important that you get legal advice because it is so difficult to terminate employment for cause. It is very difficult. The employee would have had to do something bad or it has to be a situation where it's just not mm-hmm. possible to employ the person anymore. And in the majority of cases, employers get this wrong. The employee does something wrong. They let him go. We say They say we have cause and it's not really cause. It doesn't rise to that level. So by the way, we mentioned pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. On that website, we also have a tool that allows you to figure out if what you did or what you're accused of doing is caused. Uh, So you can check it out at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca or call me. But again, going back to my overall statement, three warnings or three forms of discipline before a termination for cause is kind of a, a, a general rule that you can consider. Yeah, Henry here, is, he's not as precise, but he said a few warnings, so I guess four or more over three years, which seems a bit of a lengthy time. Is this a situation, what we were talking about before the break, where if, if he disagrees, he should be documenting this and sending emails back to his employer saying, no, 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 I disagree? Absolutely. He gets a warning. Yeah. He doesn't agree that that warning is legitimate or it's not complete or it's, it omits certain facts. Yes, absolutely. It's vital that he responds in an email, a very professional and respectful email, saying, here's why I disagree, or here's some of the facts that you didn't include that you have to keep in mind. Put that in there. That makes it much harder for the company to then rely on that uh, warning uh, to, to try to let him go for cause. So always, always respond if you disagree. 
Again, toll free to call us with the remaining time today of the show, one 399 Fern is up next. He got a bum deal. He says, I was promised a promotion last year. This year, I didn't get it. It was given to someone else, and I was let go. Can my employer do that? Well, by the way, here's a would have been a good time for him to document something, right? right. So he's promised a promotion. Uh, very easy for the company to deny that. So that's why when he's promised a promotion, good thing, send an email confirming that, you know, he told me that uh, I can expect to be promoted to the position of VP next year, whatever. Good idea to do that. Now, but to, to, to his specific situation, keep in mind also that an employer does have a right to let someone go pretty much for any reason. So as long as severance is paid, they can do that. So ultimately, as unfair as this is, and, and as, you know, uh, frustrated as I'm sure that he, he is right now, it comes down to severance. Uh, maybe his employer is not a good person, maybe his employer is not acting fairly. But from a legal standpoint, he can be let go this, uh, this individual firm, as long as severance is paid. So that's what he has to focus on to make sure that he gets severance. Chances are like 90% of people, that the severance that he was offered or paid is not enough, not even close to being enough. So he's got to call me. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure that he gets what he's owed. I know you don't like emails like Miriam's when they come in, but just Lior, after I was let go, I signed my termination paperwork without speaking to you or a lawyer because I was very emotional and under a lot of stress. I think my severance offer was not good. Is there anything I can do about it now? You know, John, I don't like those emails. And, and unfortunately, it's the type of email or call that I get often, at least once a week, usually a few times a week, from people that uh, say, I, I, I didn't think I could do anything. I felt the stress, the pressure to sign, so I signed it. What do I do now? The answer, of course, is unfortunately, you cannot do anything. Once you sign that severance offer, there's no going back, there's no changing your mind, even though you clearly were feeling the pressure. It's a difficult time when you're let go, you're, you're surprised, you're emotional, uh, you're worried and you're probably not thinking straight. And oftentimes employers take advantage of that by giving you a bad severance offer and asking you to sign it within a day or two. Despite that, if you sign it, you can't change your mind. There's really no going back on it. That's why I'm here to tell you, and I've been repeating this for years, you cannot under any circumstances sign off on that severance letter with getting, without getting advice. Because yeah. when you find out after you sign that you're owed another $50,000, you can't oh. do anything about it. Don't let that happen to you. I, I have to give these bad news, this bad news to people every single week. Don't let that happen to you or to someone you know. Instead of that, regardless of that deadline, you can ignore that severance deadline. It's meaningless. Your rights don't expire Friday. So instead, call me. Let's sit down. Let's discuss what you wrote. And let's make sure that you don't accept something that's less than what the law says you should have. Let's finish off with Jordan's email. It says, uh, Leora, my wife and I work at the same place. I was let go for cause because of something that my wife did that had nothing to do with me. Is this even legal? No, you cannot be let go for cause if you didn't do something wrong. That's a wrongful dismissal. Uh, if his employer wants him gone, then they have to pay him severance, full severance, which, by the way, could be up to 24 months. John, that would be a wrongful dismissal. Easy. Do you have time to get Mike on the line here quickly? Mike, uh, thanks for calling in. we got literally a minute. What's your, uh, what's your question, pal? Yeah, about under two years ago, I was employed by a, company, a software company, and uh, I was only there like it was a three-month a three probation, and uh, they let me go after two months, and they said I was not fit for the job, and they only gave me, uh, they said one of them commented I was too old for the job, and they gave me two, they just paid two, I was let go on a Wednesday, and they paid me till the Friday of that week, so just two, two extra days. Should I have gotten more stuff? 
from them. I'd want to see, Mike, your employment agreement. It's quite possible that you're owed several months pay. And if, in fact, if you're let go because of your age, that's a human rights violation. So, yeah, there's a potential case here and significant entitlements. You should reach out to me as soon as possible, off air, and let's discuss it. Quick and dirty. Thanks, Mike. We are done for the day now. Reaching out to Lior, which you will do, and I'm sure you will if you're listening, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website's so important, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Employment Law Show. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.